the Bible Study Podcast, episode 358. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of the book of Psalms with Psalm 15. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. We go to Psalm 15 today. We'll probably also do Psalm 16. Psalm 15 is a Psalm of David. Lord, who may dwell in your sacred tent, who may live on your holy mountain, the one whose walk is blameless, who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from their heart, whose tongue utters no slander, who does no wrong to a neighbor, and casts no slur on others, who despises a vile person but honors those who fear the Lord, who keeps an oath even when it hurts, and does not change their mind, who lends money to the poor without interest, who does not accept a bribe against the innocent. Whoever does these things will never be shaken. So this is a Psalm of David. The first thing I noticed with that is the pastoral and nomadic background that David is referring to here, Lord who may dwell in your sacred tent. And I was just struck by that just mainly because I recently back from Jordan where I spent some time in the tent of Bedouins and modern day Bedouins. And there is still a tie back to that culture. And David, even though he is living in a city in in Bethlehem, he spends time as a shepherd, and there's still a tie of these people to the land and to that time period. And remember at that time, this is the time before the temple. And so God still dwelled for them in the tabernacle, in the tent, in the holy tent. And so I think of that just because it gives a grounding for the culture and the people of David's time. And I think that as we understand this, it's good for us to understand it in that culture and then try and apply it to our culture. And who may live on your holy mountain? And there was certainly an understanding when we're reading the Ten Commandments that when Moses goes up to Mount Sinai or when he encounters the burning bush on Mount Horeb that there are the holy mountains, the place where God dwells. Certainly as the people of Israel are waiting for Moses and they hear the thunder and the lightning and they wait and they wait and they wait and of course we know what happens then. There was an understanding that this was where God dwelled. And so I think of that because I think of the fear of the Lord that comes from that, the awesome display of the presence of God as they were told not to touch the holy mountain, for instance, as Moses is told to take off his shoes, and this is holy ground on Mount Horeb. And so we get the sense that God is a holy God, and who can dwell with him is the question that David the psalmist asks. And so then in that context here, we're talking about someone whose walk is blameless. In the Bible study we were doing in my church this morning, we're going through the story, and one of the things we were dealing with was the story of Daniel and then also Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who draw a line and say, this is what I will do and I won't go any further. And the place where they get in trouble is when they are told that they cannot worship God, when they need to bow down and worship a golden idol, in the case of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or when they're told that they need to not pray to anybody else in the case of Daniel, and that is something they can't do. When I think of Daniel, the people who are out to get him say the only way that we can catch him is if we catch him in something of his faith because he is blameless. There's nothing else that he's doing wrong. Even though he is being put in charge of the kingdom, even though he has all this power and all of this authority, he is blameless. 
There's just nothing we can find that he is doing wrong. So we have to make what he does, his faith, a crime because it's the only way we're going to trip him up. The one whose walk is blameless, someone who never does wrong, is what the psalmist says. Because how else can someone live on the holy mountain? How else can someone come in contact with an awesome and powerful and mighty God? The God who can split the Red Sea, the God who can feed his people in the wilderness, the God who can lead his people by a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day. How awesome and mighty and powerful is that God? David is saying that that standard here is not just better than my neighbor. That standard here is not just I do more good things than I do bad things, but that we are called to be blameless. Certainly a standard that we fall short of. And then he gives a lot of specifics that I think are just a way of understanding that. Who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from their heart. Now, I like the fact that we're speaking the truth from their heart because I have to hope that means that we are speaking the truth, but we are also speaking it in love because it is coming from the heart. And I think this is more than just the person who will tell you, do these pants make me look fat? But the person who will speak the truth that needs to be spoken. There are times in my life and in your life where someone needs to tell us a truth and we may not want to hear it. And better that truth be spoken in love, obviously, but there are times that truth needs to be spoken. And so I think this is also the person who does what needs to be done. It's not just the person who always speaks the truth, but who speaks the truth even when it is uncomfortable. And that's consistent with some of these later verses here. Whose tongue utters no slander. Now, so we know what slander is, or slander and libel, when you talk negatively about somebody, especially something that is untrue, or perhaps something that you don't know is true, because it's the same sort of thing. If I am spreading a rumor about you, and I don't even know for sure it's true, it's just a story I've heard, that certainly is false witness, and that certainly is slander. Whose tongue utters no slander, who does no wrong to a neighbor, and casts no slur on others. This is somebody who is always looking at their neighbor, I want to say, in the most positive of light, always looking with grace. I think that God desires for us to be a graceful people, a people full of grace as God is full of grace. And what I mean by that is that when God looks at us, he looks at us with love and that everything else in terms of how he sees us is tempered by that love. And if you have kids, I'm hoping that you know what I'm talking about. It is very different to see your kids misbehave who you love and somebody else's kids misbehave who you don't know. I'm not saying it's better and I'm not saying it's worth, but it is quite different when you see them from the position of someone who loves them. For one thing, I think you see it as someone who you love screwing up rather than a permanent condition of a screw-up. At least I hope we do. And I think that as we look at our neighbors and have no slur on others, and I think it behooves us to think about these are people who God loves, to give them the benefit of the doubt, if possible, to, to see the good in situations, to see the good in people. 
And yet it's interesting because there in verse four, we get who despises a vile person. And I'm not sure I always have the wisdom to cast no slur, to speak the truth from the heart, to utter no slander, and yet to despise a vile person. That's a very difficult balance to know who is vile and worthy of being despised. As I think about that, I think of the trouble that Jesus got into. Because Jesus got into problems that he was hanging out with the wrong people. Certainly the Pharisees could have brought to Jesus Psalm 15 and say, Jesus, don't you know that these are vile people? Don't you know that the psalmist says we should despise them? And yet I don't see Jesus doing that. I think of the woman who is caught in adultery, caught in the very act of adultery. She is caught being unfaithful to her husband. Remember, and she is dragged before Jesus in the Gospel of John. They say the law says that we should stone her because she is an adulteress, that we shouldn't have this kind of person in the people of God, which is true. The law does say that, and certainly the people of God are not supposed to be behaving that way. And so Jesus says, what? He who has no sin, throw the first stone. So I think as I'm taught here by the psalmist to despise a vile person, I think I can do that as long as I remember that there are sometimes people who are not vile who may do vile things. That sometimes if I'm going to not utter a word of slander or no slur on others, I have to not immediately jump to the fact that that person seems to me to be a vile person, but honors those who fear the Lord. And that's possibly a more important thing is to recognize those who are doing well, to encourage, to affirm, and to hold as standards those who are those who are walking righteously, who keeps an oath even when it hurts. Now, I thought that was an interesting way the psalmist said that. And that's one of the reasons I was willing to go out on a limb and say, speak the truth from the heart may mean even when it's uncomfortable, because to honor an oath even when it hurts means that my word is more important than my comfort. My honor is more important than convenience. Who does not change their mind. And I don't think that this means somebody who can't be convinced by new evidence that this is the case or that is the case, but someone who is resolute in their convictions, someone who is resolute in their faith who lends money to the poor without interest, who does not accept the bribe against the innocent, someone whose honor, whose dignity, whose righteousness is more important to them than their money. Whoever does these things will never be shaken. What does he mean by never be shaken? The word shaken reminds me of the man who the wise man builds his house upon the rock who dug down deep, who went to great effort to find the rock that he could build on versus the foolish man who builds on shifting sand and the rains come and the storms blow and the house falls. This is someone who's building their life on those things that are important, which are apparently not money. They're apparently not having the last word putting others down so that we can feel better about ourselves. And they're describing a life that is trying to be right with God as being the most important thing, as being that rock that we build on. 
I pray this week that both you and I may build our house, build our lives on that rock. With that, we're going to end this episode of the BibleStudyPodcast.com. Apparently, we are not going to go on from Psalm 15 today, even though it was only five verses. Some days I am more wordy than others. If you have any comments, feel free to leave a comment on this episode at TheBibleStudyPodcast.com or send me an email to host at TheBibleStudyPodcast.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Chris2x. And as always, thanks so much for listening. Life Audio presents Bridges with Monica Schmelter. That we have an enduring hope that can't be taken away when we are in Christ. And to know that we have that, right? And eternal salvation, because this world can be so busy and so dark that we can forget that. Right. Right? Because sometimes I get caught in the trappings of what's going on in my life this moment. And while I have to recognize that, that's not it. Continue listening on lifeaudio.com or wherever you find your podcast.